Welcome to the Jesus Adventure, a study in the spirituality training system of Jesus of Nazareth. Today, we are exploring chapter one, the words of hope and scouting the way. We're all looking for something, trying to find the way to somewhere, somewhere different, somewhere better, somewhere that isn't broken like this. We all know it, but it's hard to admit it out loud. We all know that this is not the way it used to be, and it's not the way it's meant to be. But where do we go? Whatever it is, wherever it is, is it Eden, is it heaven, is it Nirvana? Somewhere deep within that's calling out to us and beckoning us to come, how do we go there? Maybe backward, maybe forward, maybe upward, maybe outward. But we know this isn't it. This isn't the place we belong. Even for those of us who are fully rooted in this time and place in our minds, we want to change it to make it better. We want to fix what's wrong. Even the atheist who looks up outward to space has hope and dreams of another place, a place that isn't broken like this one. As it's been said, what man is a man who does not make the world a better place? But how do we do that? And the more important question is, why do we need to do it? Something's broken, and like the song says, we got to get out of this place. Everyone everywhere is aware of it, ultimately. Fortunately, there's a way. It's unique to each of us, but there's only one way for all of us. You see, the I Am sent out a message long ago and has already promised to go ahead of us to make a way and to take us on the way. Each of us inside, somewheres, is hoping we can find it, but we need a guide. We need someone who can take us there, someone who's already gone there for us first. Well, the word has gone out and been available for a very long time saying, the I am will travel before you. And he urges us to respond saying, guide me in the everlasting way. Well, the message went out long ago, over many centuries, through many prophets, the word said that I am was coming to make a way and to personally open that way to all who would pursue it. In fact, Jesus made it clear he doesn't just go before us. He doesn't just know how to take us to that place that our deepest soul cries out to discover. He himself is the way. He said, I am the way. Now, this is hard to understand until you get to know Jesus himself. The more you get to know him, the more that all of the mysteries become clear. Jesus came into history with his hand out to mankind, presenting an offer that must be considered. It's an offer that is open to all. He will not reject anyone who is willing to receive the offer. It doesn't matter where you come from, who you are, what your station in life is. The offer is open to you. What is Jesus offering exactly? Well, have you ever wondered even who is the real Jesus and what was his real mission and purpose? Have you ever wondered if there was more to the story than you've heard about him? Did you wonder if any of it might actually matter to you? I did, and seeking the answers has led me on an odyssey that has become a life-transforming journey that has taken me around the world. In fact, it's changed my life and the lives of many people, people in my family, friends, and others that I've known, as we've been living through this amazing discovery for several decades. And what I discovered is that so much of what I thought I knew about Jesus was either wrong or distorted. The discovery we make on the Jesus adventure is that Jesus is much more mysterious than we can imagine, yet he willingly reveals himself to those who are humble enough 
to seek to know him. The discoveries never cease to amaze us because he is so much more than we can ever completely understand in this life. So let's consider some of the most fundamental truths of Jesus. Jesus is generous. He said in John chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread that gives life. One of the greatest points that comes across about Jesus in the Bible is just how amazingly generous he is. But why is he generous? There are many mysteries to search out and understand that Jesus has given us. One place to start in understanding him is that he is generous. Jesus came to fulfill the deepest need of humanity. In fact, he came to give us life. He came to satisfy the deepest hunger of life, the inner life of all humanity, the deepest need which resulted from our disconnection from our Creator. Jesus came to say that God is welcoming those who will turn to him. The Creator sent him with an offer of return, an offer of amnesty that gives life to all who accept it. One of the fascinating things is that Jesus likes to share. Jesus is all about fellowship and community. His fellowship is the largest in the world. He invites us to gather at his table. He speaks to us plainly, yet deeply. It's a truly profound thought, which we come to understand as we get to know Jesus more and more. One of the most interesting discoveries I've made is that many people who claim to represent Jesus are actually misrepresenting him and doing what he specifically said not to do. Another wild discovery that I made is that unlike most religious movements, the New Testament was not written in sophisticated language. That's right. Jesus spoke in plain and understandable language that everyday people understood everywhere around him. And his original messengers used the same method. See, I call this the heart language. In other words, the language of their everyday home and work, the language that people spoke at their tables. That's not what I'd originally heard or understood, though. You see, that's not what I knew as I was first learning about Jesus. So it fascinated me to dig deeper and find out what Jesus really wants us to understand about him. What I discovered is that Jesus spoke to his people with words of hope, with words of promise and life that gave courage to the weak, peace to the anxious, life to the dying, healing to the sick, and that filled the hungry souls and quenched thirsty consciences. In other words, Jesus was exactly the opposite of most religious people. As a result, Jesus had a lot of enemies, and most of them were the religious folks. Now, you may think, I hate religion. Well, Jesus did too. Here's the truth of it. Jesus said, I came so that everyone would have life and have it in its fullest. That's in John chapter 10, verse 10. And because of that, Jesus had a lot of enemies, especially among the religious crowd. Would you like to have abundant life? Maybe your life is an aimless grind. Maybe you keep finding more pain than joy. Well, the Creator has promised a free, joyful, hope-filled, complete life. He wants to give it to you. That's what Jesus is saying. This is the essence of the Jesus adventure. It's true freedom, true abundance, the kind that cannot be taken away, the kind that fulfills your needs in whatever situation you find yourself, life that transcends the material world, but provides every good and perfect thing that we need in the material world. See, when Jesus spoke, it was so that we would hear and receive 
life-giving power into our lives. Again, Jesus said, I came so that everyone would have life and have it in its fullest. Another amazing thing about Jesus is that he gives abundantly. You cannot find a single time that Jesus rejected someone who came to him humbly. Even people who were outside of their nation, outside of their covenant, who didn't have the rights of his own people, Jesus accepted them anyway. In every case, he gave what they needed abundantly. See, he came with these refreshing words that satisfy our deepest needs. They're words that offer promises and enduring relationship. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. John chapter 7, verse 37. He also knows that our thirst is as deep as an ocean and as long as this life. So Jesus said, have faith in me and you will have life-giving water flowing from deep inside you, just as the scriptures say. John chapter 7, verse 38. The point here is that Jesus wants to give us what we're thirsting for, what we're deeply in need of at the core of our being. But it's not just a spiritual thing that's untouchable or intangible. Jesus shows us how to have our needs met in the material world as well. Now, if you're like me, and this is something you're hearing for the first time, and maybe you've, you've grown up around religion or you've heard a lot about religion, you might be a little surprised by this. But you see, what we learn from what the Bible tells us, what the followers of Jesus tell us, is that Jesus is also very kind. He's actually more kind than you can imagine. And there was a prophet that spoke about him that told us what he would be like. More than 400 years before Jesus arrived, the prophet Isaiah spoke of him saying, He will not break off a bent reed or put out a dying flame, but he will make sure that justice is done. That's in Isaiah 42 verse 3. This is a poetic reference to how he would treat people when he came. He sees our brokenness. He sees when our light is often just a flicker. He's not looking to extinguish us. Quite the opposite. God sent him to bind up, to heal, to ensure that justice is done, finished and completed rightly. This one passage reminds us of some very important things about Jesus, the one called Messiah by his followers. First, we're reminded that his coming was foretold by many prophecies, even to the exact day that he presented himself as king by riding into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. Second, it tells us of his excellence, his unique difference from all who would desire to be king or a messiah. He was truly unique. His concern was for people, and it's unmatched by anyone else in history. Now, you could consider this study a laboratory course in the supernatural, following Jesus as the one who is called Messiah and Christ, to experience the supernatural journey of life that he came to reveal to us. But he came to us in a very natural and very human way, a very human form. He came as we come, through the trials of a very human existence. That's part of what makes him so amazing. So, just who is this Jesus? To begin the Jesus adventure, we must first consider him, our faithful scout, who went before us. Jesus of Nazareth, a humble man who was known only as Jesus, the son of Joseph, the carpenter of Nazareth, until he began his ministry. Then he was known as Jesus, the rabbi or teacher. 
and later as Jesus the Master and Lord. Some of the people declared him a prophet, some called him the Son of David. He called himself the Son of Man, in reference to prophecies foretelling his ministry. The religious authorities called him a rebel and a deceiver. Some even called him the Son of the Devil. At the end of his ministry, his followers called him the Messiah and the Son of God. So, who is the man, and what can we learn from him? The Bible in the New and Old Testaments, sometimes called the Christian and Jewish Bibles, speaks to us of a peerless Messiah, a man who is promised since thousands of years before he came to be king over all the earth and reign over a perfected and purified earth. His friends told us that he fulfilled over 300 prophecies from the Old Testament, proving that he is the long-promised Messiah of Israel and destined to be their king, indeed the king over all kings. But what else exactly does the Bible say of him? When we consider the whole of it, the Bible confidently declares some really amazing things. It says that he came from the Father's throne in heaven to the womb of a poor young woman. He put on humanity and became the Son of Man that we might become children of God. He was born in a supernatural way, yet was raised in poverty and obscurity in a nowhere town of an oppressed nation. He never had wealth or political influence. Yet kings and authorities have sought him and tried to subdue him. The understandings of all mankind have never matched his wisdom, and no one has ever spoken like him. His family was humble, without any influence, yet as a boy he challenged religious scholars and teachers with his own understanding, because he was taught by God. As an adult, he had miraculous control over nature and quieted a storming sea. He healed crowds of people without the use of medicines and fed thousands of people from a boy's lunch. He gave life back to the dead, and demons obeyed him. He never wrote a single book, yet no library can contain every book that was ever written about him. He never wrote a song, yet he is the theme of more songs than all the songwriters in the world. He never founded a school, yet all the colleges cannot brag of having as many students as he has. He never formed any kind of an army, yet no leader has ever had more volunteers. Great men have come and been forgotten, yet he remains. The devil could not tempt him to sin, fear could not restrain him from completing his purpose, and the grave could not keep him down. He laid aside royal robes of colored light for a peasant's drab gown. He was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. He was born in another's barn, rode on another's donkey, was buried in another's grave, yet he conquered death and rose on the third day as he said he would. He ascended into heaven and is now at the right hand of God. One day he will return with immense power and blazing glory to judge the whole world, when every knee will bow to him and every tongue will confess him as Lord over all lords and King over all kings. His friends will do it gladly, but his enemies will tremble and bow before his face. He is the perfect one, the only one who can satisfy the thirsty soul. He gives everlasting life to those who love him and call us his, calls us his friends. What's more is the Bible has the audacity to say that our eternal destiny, as well as our soul's current substance and peace, depends on our relationship to Jesus, whom it presents as the Son of God, the Messiah, and the ultimate King over planet Earth. This challenges us to understand and find out why is this man 
able to fulfill all of these claims? Why is this man so different from all men? In the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 7, verse 17, Jesus said, in essence, that in order to know his teachings, you have to do them. And when you do them, you know that his teachings are from God. The adventure of Jesus is healing and empowering the lives of real people. This is the most amazing discovery that I found on the process of creating this, this discovery journey, this, this study that I've written. And so we will follow some true stories of real people I've known personally. These are ordinary people who have decided to follow Jesus, whose own lives align with the themes on this study. And whatever form of discipline you study, knowing about it is not the same as knowing by doing it. Whether it's art, music, self-defense, sports, engineering, or sciences, there's no way to truly learn something without doing it. It's the same with Jesus. You come to know him by doing what he says. That's the part that really has been the most amazing as I've done this discovery journey. So the best trainers always make you do the work first before you study to understand it. It's an interesting principle here that can't be missed. You come to know a thing intimately when you do it. This is how Jesus taught, and sometimes church folks forget that. So in this discovery process, we're focused on learning to do and then find out the why. Sometimes that confounds certain people, but if you'll just listen to the words of Jesus, I think you'll find it's quite easy to understand what he's doing. So we will follow some true stories of real people, again, ordinary people, who've decided to follow Jesus and found the adventure of Jesus along the way. Those will be included as part of this discovery pack. So Jesus' original followers taught others in the same way that he had instructed them. The last one of them was known as John. And late in his life, John was concerned that some people were forgetting what Jesus had taught. So John wrote in one of his last letters that we will know that we have come to know Jesus if we do his teachings. See, he's reiterating what Jesus has already said. And this reveals a hidden secret for us. We don't just learn about him. We come to know Jesus intimately, personally, as we do his teachings. For the folks who have already been involved in church or Christianity or studied God or religion or read the Bible, um, sometimes they miss that point. And this is really one of the big fundamental pieces of this whole study. This is about doing, not just hearing his word. Next, we're going to be meditating on a scout's report and revealing the adventure ahead. So first, we want to consider what we've just discovered. A, Jesus is very generous. B, he offers life. C, modern people claim that he changed them and changed their lives. And D, Jesus' closest apprentice, John, taught that you can actually know Jesus by doing what he taught. That's a fascinating thing, knowing him by doing what he taught. Not just knowing about him, but actually knowing him. So I'd like to ask you to stop for just a moment. And just between you and God, ask, can this be true? And how are these things possible? And what does it mean? And then what difference can it make to you? In Jeremiah 33, verse 3, in the Old Testament, it tells us that God said to Jeremiah, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. And Jeremiah wrote that down so that all people of all times would realize this is what God is saying to us. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. 
So before we head into the next chapter, it's important to realize that God is eager, very willing, and able to show us things that we do not know on our own by ourselves. God challenged the ancient prophet Jeremiah and the people of his times, as well as the people of all times, saying this. You see that God has sent the message out many ways, calling to us through many sources, pleading with us to call out to him personally. This is why Jesus came, to be the living answer to things that confound the human heart. As we conclude, take a moment to consider, are you willing to call out to God? To ask him personally to reveal himself and show you things that you don't know? He promises to answer you by showing you great and unsearchable things. Now before going forward, why don't you do that right now for yourself? Take as much time as you need. Call out to God on your own. Take him seriously though. He's the creator and the sustainer of the universe. His word says he's willing to take you seriously if you're willing to take him seriously. Moving forward, what if the real message of Jesus is that he's calling out to you to trust him? What if he's welcoming you and inviting you to join him in the greatest epic of all time, even to partner with him in his work? Would you be willing to give up your life as you know it to gain an entirely new one? Let's find out. Join us for chapter two in this amazing study. Come forward to the next chapter with us on the Jesus adventure. We're convinced that this man, Jesus, will heal and transform the life of anyone who does what he says. Well, thank you. This has been chapter one of the Jesus adventure, a project of mission 1711. You are invited to join us for the full 12-part series of the Jesus adventure. It's a discovery journey in four sections. Finding the way of Jesus, walking the way of Jesus, standing the way of Jesus, and finally, sitting in the way of Jesus. The full discovery program is being made available for all of our partners who join us on Patreon and includes testimonials of modern people who have experienced the journey in amazing ways. Those testimonials will be made available for free as we're able, but are available on Patreon for all of our partners in advance of general publication. We hope that you will take time to read the Bible references given in the study. And ask God to reveal the way of Jesus through his words of hope and life. As a footnote going forward, uh, one of the things we'll be talking about is actually learning what the Bible has to say. And in starting a study like this, it's always a challenge because there are a lot of people that argue about Bible translations. I'm going to say that after many years of study, I've concluded there is no perfect Bible translation. However, there are very many good ones in English. And in my study, I use several different versions, but I focus mostly on going to the original languages as much as I can to really learn what the Bible says. Most people can't do that, so for the purpose of this discovery process, I use various different translations and focus on the one that gives the clearest meaning to the text in a conversational tone, which is how it was meant originally. For that reason, the default version here that we're going to be using is the contemporary English version. It is not the only version by any means. Uh, we're going to be using at least eight different versions as we go. Um, but frankly, the point of it is not the version, but to get to the original intent, the original expectation of what God was telling his writers to write for us. We just have to understand that in the process of a couple thousand years, sometimes languages have changed over time and versions that were really good in the past may have different meanings for us today. So it's much more important to go to the original language and get the original intent as opposed to getting focused in on a specific version uh, of the Bible. So therefore, we focus on that. We focus on the intent 
not on a specific translation version. So thank you again. Welcome to the Jesus Adventure. We hope you'll join us and follow all the way through.